0: Cecily was meant to be on stage, don't you think? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of children and our families, both the ones uh, born to us and the, the ones added by adoption, the ones added by foster care. Um, we, we just thank you that, that you entrust little ones to us, your children, you made them ultimately You desired them to be here ultimately, and and yet you've given them to us to take care of, to shepherd, to show the way, to point to truth. So uh, thank you for that wonderful gift. Thank you for the gift of adoption, of taking us in even when we were far away. I pray that as we look at that wonderful reality this morning that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He just got the news that his bride-to-be was pregnant. And it just broke him. He was a righteous man, meaning he followed the law. And he knows what the law says. The law forbids any sort of uh, a physical union outside of, of, of marriage. It forbids that. And yet, what was his wife doing? His wife-to-be. He's betrothed to her. What what does a righteous man do in that kind of situation? A righteous man would consider the law, so he considers the law. What does Torah say? He considers the passage that says, if anything uh, inappropriate is found out about your bride-to-be, you could write her a certificate of divorce. That's an option. Back up. To understand that, you have to understand betrothal. He's thinking, <laughs> we're already in some ways legally joined, even though we haven't come together as husband and wife. Even the engagement process is legally binding. So it requires this kind of a divorce. That's an option in this, in this situation. What else is an option? Well, there's a passage that says he can bring her to the priest. Just the three of them and make the accusation. Well, four of them, because it would be the priest, her, him, and the Lord. And make the accusation and let the Lord deal with her. That's an option. There's another option in the law. You bring her out, you make your accusation, people pick up rocks, and that person gets stoned. That's an option. What does a righteous man do as he's reading, thinking Torah? What does the righteousness of God require in this situation? Surely he considers love your neighbor as yourself. Surely he considers not taking revenge on your enemies. He's heartbroken. He's destroyed. And yet, he still has his compassion. He he, he still experienced the love of God himself. The love of God that covers over his sin because of sacrifices made. Someone had to die. Something had to die. An animal had to die to cover his sin. And so, being forgiven being loved by God, understanding compassion, he decides to spare his bride to be any sort of disgrace. It will be a quiet divorce. According to the law. But it will be quiet. It will not be big in public, even though he could make it that way. He doesn't wish to make it any harder than it is now. And then one night... The Lord speaks to him in a dream and changes all of that. Take her to be your wife. Because the child in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, suddenly, anger, grief, despair, mourning, deep reflection, all turns into relief. Celebration joy. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew one eighteen. This is Joseph's story. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. I imagine, uh, although I don't know, I imagine Joseph being a carpenter was busy at that time preparing a place for his bride to be. That, that's what you did. You got engaged, you got betrothed, and that, that betrothal was legally binding. You were going to marry that person and, and to break that betrothal, you had to issue in a divorce. And so, I imagine Joseph was doing what Joseph does, building things, getting ready for their life together until he hears the news. Mary's pregnant. And he's considering as a righteous man, what do you do in that circumstance? I imagine Joseph being a righteous man is searching his mind, searching the law of God, thinking, what does a righteous man do when faced with this? And yet all of those fears were unfounded because the angel of the Lord came with a message from God Himself. Don't worry, Joseph. It's okay. You can marry Mary. And that just changed everything. I'm sure he's looking at the chairs he was making for their house, the table he was making, you know, to eat their dinners at, thinking about all these things, and suddenly it's like, it's okay. It's all okay. You can marry this woman, you can bring this child into your life. And in that sense, Joseph becomes an adoptive father, right? He, he's not biologically Jesus' father, and yet we have the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph. Joseph is called Jesus' father. He is the father of Jesus in a legal sense, In an adoptive sense, that's Joseph's gift to Jesus. Now, I don't want to belittle Jesus' gift to Joseph, of course, because Jesus died for Joseph's sins. But there is a real sense that Joseph took in this child. And we have an opportunity as a church to welcome people into our lives that we're not related to. And it would be really easy if the Lord showed up in a dream and, 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 and sent an angel and said, Angel, tell, tell Niall this. You're going to welcome this person into your family. Do it. And then you went and do it. But we're all called to this, even though we don't all do this very well. We're all called to, quote, unquote, adopt people into our lives, people that we're not related to, but we're called to love them like family. We could talk about the church body here. You're called to love these people like family. Even the people you don't like very much. You're called to love them like family. You're called to meet people in this community and and love on them. And treat them as if they were your own flesh and blood. Some of you have experienced this. Some of you are doing this. You're adopting people. Uh, one way that my family has enjoyed adoption uh, beyond Grayson is when, we, when I was a youth pastor in Watoma, uh, Wisconsin, Easter would always roll around. And a- as you know, if, if, you're, if you're in ministry at Easter and your family lives out of state, you're not, you're not going home. You're, you're here. This is, this is family. This is church. This is Easter. You're celebrating here. And so there was there was always a family that would that would invite us over into their family's life. We go to their house, eat the dinner with them, they would have family together, they'd have grandparents coming from out of from Milwaukee and people coming from this way and that way, and we would be there celebrating with them. We get the invite almost every year. And it's like what a wonderful thing that we could experience being adopted into this family, even though we're not related to them, even though as I looked around the room on Easter Sunday, all of these people are related except for us. And yet they're talking to us, we're hanging out, our kids are playing. It's good. It's good. Some of you have experienced that. I I can tell you stories about people in this church, I won't name them, but people that have taken in other people into their their homes because these people didn't have a place to stay. And you've taken them in. stories about people who knew of a need and wanted to give anonymously to that need. I know because I'm the one that filled out the card that gave anonymously to that need. You know, th- th- this church is doing these things, and I want to keep encouraging that. Let's keep treating people with, with such acts of love that we treat them like their family. How do we do that? How do we get there? How do we love others as if they were family? Well, let me me recommend four things from Joseph's story that I think help us as we think about welcoming other people in. What did Joseph do that serves as an example for us, for me, to do this well? So just to be clear again, what I'm talking about when I talk about adoption this morning I, I could talk about, and I will at some point, I think this morning, talk about how the Lord has welcomed us into his family. I'm going I'm to talk about, I'm going to mention that. I'm talking about us imitating him and saying, if God welcomes me with all of my warts into his family, shouldn't I be welcoming of other people into mine? Don't I imitate him? Isn't that what I'm called to do? aren't I called to be also a father to the fatherless in, in some capacity what does it require to adopt people into our life into our families uh, first of all number one adoption requires a loving heart it requires a loving heart you've got Joseph who's described as a righteous man which means he's law abiding and Torah-abiding man, and finds out his bride-to-be is pregnant, and so he's considering, what do I do with that? I'm not the father here, so what do I do with that information? And of all the options on the table, as I said earlier, there's the option of stoning in, in the Old Testament law, there's the option of meeting in front of a priest and making your accusation, and there's some other things that go with that that I'm not talking about this morning. There's the option of writing a certificate of divorce. And Joseph opts for the quiet divorce. No public disgrace. Keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. Which shows his love and his compassion. In his mind, Mary made the mistake. Why do I need to publicly punish her for it? Is that what the law requires me to do? Is that what I have to do? What does love say? What does compassion say? Are there other law options that I have here that I can do and, and, and still be a righteous man? And this is what he did. Keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. So adoption starts with a loving heart. Do, do you have a heart that's big enough for other people? Or is, is your love tank running on empty all the time? Do you need to ask the Lord to fill you up with more love for people? When, when, when you see people with issues, do you, do you feel love for them? Are, are you like Joseph? That's what I'm asking you. If you see people and they got these problems and they're in crisis, do you look at them and is your heart open with love for them? Or more like the judgmental, well, look what you did. Look at the mistake you made. Of course, if they knew about your mistakes, they'd point the finger back at you, but they don't know about those. You hid them too well. But their stuff's all out there in the open. What do you feel when you see people in need? Adoption requires a heart of love. Adoption requires this whole First John 4:19 thing. We love because he first loved us. I want to love the way God loved me. How did God love me? I want to do that to other people. Well, God loved me when I messed up, when I did lots of things that were wrong, and I still do things that are wrong, and He still loves me, and I'm never doubting it. Can I do that for somebody else and show that to somebody else? That's what it requires. Secondly, if you're going to welcome people into your life, adoption requires room for God to direct Room for God to speak into your heart. Uh, That's verse 20. Joseph's considering things. He's a thoughtful man. I'm sure he's praying about what he should do. But then the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and speaks to him, Joseph son of David, which associates Joseph with the line of, of kings. Joseph, son of king, son of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people, including you, from their sins. You've got to have room in your heart, room in your life, to hear God talk to you. And, you know, I've talked to people that have said, well, I've heard that almost audibly, God saying, do something. I've never heard that almost audible voice I have felt, in, in my heart, more of a direction, more of a, a, a little push or pull in my own heart to do something for the Lord, and, and, and then you do it. And I imagine a lot of you are the same way, if you're quiet enough to hear it. If, if you have time with the Lord, in the Word, praying, if you can sit in silence with Him, I imagine He's going to tell you to do some things. I imagine that if you go about your day, and, and you're kind of like, God... Could you help me be on your agenda and not my agenda? I imagine, I expect God to bring people into your life that you can reach out to, that you can love on, if you're in a place to hear it. Joseph just went to bed at night, okay? And and he had that, he, he got that message from the angel. Well, I've never had that happen either. But I know God has moved in my heart to help people. I know I've heard His voice to do it, and I've done it. And I know He's done it for you too because some of you blessed me in that way. Some of you blessed others in that way. Just because you heard God's voice say, do it. Um, I'll give an example. You know, um, my wife mentioned last week that our family likes to go to uh, nursing homes and visit with uh, people there, especially at Christmas time. We, we love doing that. Uh, that just came about because... Uh, the circumstances were we went to a nursing home, and this is in Watoma, and we started sharing with the woman there, and somehow we, we, weren't even, we didn't even plan this out really well, I don't feel like. You know, we, we read some scripture, we sang some Christmas carols, this kind of happened. And then, and then like a week later, this dear woman passed away to be with Jesus. You know? Like a week after we were there, she didn't even make it to Christmas, you know? Like, w- we celebrated Christmas with her. A- and that was just like... Man, we just happened to bring our kids. This happened. We thought, we need to do this more often. Like, that was our, our takeaway from that. Like, it was amazing that we could share the, these, one of these final moments with this dear woman of God. And then I heard God say, you need to do that more often. I believe he'll tell you to do things like this. If you have space in your life to hear it. If your agenda and your schedule is all important and there's no space for interruptions in your life, well, then you won't hear it. You won't hear it. Someone needs to talk to you, but you're on to the next thing. If that's your life, you won't hear it. Adoption requires room for God to direct you, to speak to you. Uh, Galatians says, Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And in my, in my experience, the Spirit doesn't yell at me. He speaks quietly into my heart. Can you hear that voice? Okay. Number three. Adoption acts on God's behalf to care for other people. This is verse 21. She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins you're to name him Joseph, you're to be his father you're to give Jesus his name you know t- take him in name him be his dad right that, that's what this whole passage that's this is what the whole thing's about be the dad here Joseph now Jesus has a name right he, he he's been given a name by God he, he is we talked about this last week he's he's pre-existed he it was not like he was born into existence that day with Mary and Joseph. I mean, he is from old, from ancient times. He doesn't need another father, okay? He's got a heavenly father. Like who helped who helped Jesus when Herod wanted to kill all the baby boys? Who helped Jesus then? God did, right? He he spoke. He spoke and said, You you gotta take, Joseph, you gotta take your family and get out of here. You've got to leave. Because people want to kill your child. God is looking out for baby Jesus, the Heavenly Father. He doesn't need help, but He enlists the help of Joseph to do the job. Okay? Heavenly Father. He's the best father. And then there's Joseph, who loves Jesus on the Heavenly Father's behalf. And, and, and you know that you're called to do the same thing. God made every person in this room, every person you're going to meet out there, every child, whether born within wedlock or outside of wedlock, none of it's an accident, right? It's not an accident. No person is. People are made in the image of God, loved by Him, and they have needs. And one of those desperate needs is love and care, guidance, shepherding. Sometimes it's just the basics of food, shelter, clothing, a way to get to work. We have needs. And oftentimes people are, are, are calling out to God. They don't, even, they don't even really know Him yet. He's just a Sunday school story from many decades ago. And they're calling to Him to meet a need. Please, God, help me. And how is God going to do that? Well, any way that he wants, really. He he has unlimited resources. But he's chosen to use the church to do it. I don't believe he chose the government, even though there's many good government programs, and I'm thankful for them. Let me say that. But God's chosen the church to love people and care for needs. He's chosen us. So we're to love people on behalf of God. God made them. He loves them. They're in his image. There's no accident. There's no accidental people. They're all loved by him. He's called you to show that love in a practical way. By giving of your time, resources, energy. By giving of yourself. To love on his behalf. So that people can be loved and say, you're a Christian, you're a Jesus follower, and you love me. Because that's what God is like, and you're showing people God to others. Adoption acts on God's behalf to take care of other people in their needs. And we're the church, this is our calling. Uh, it's, it's the James passage that the kids read earlier. I, I didn't have the whole passage read, but... That passage the kids read during the sword drill. You know, if you see your brother and say, be warm and well fed, but yet you know they're cold and hungry, that's worthless. It's just worthless to to wish somebody good wishes. Go out and get some food. Stay warm. And yet you know they're not warm, but you're not going to do anything about it. That's totally against the faith you're part of. If you're warm and someone else is not warm, you need to help them stay warm. That's the faith. That's the faith. Plug for the firewood ministry. We actually do that here, you know? We do that. We 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 take firewood to people and help keep them warm. I think that's a good sign. Let's all be thinking like that. Let's all be doing that. Lastly, here's the one that hurts. Adoption will cost you something. Adoption will cost you something. If you're talking legal adoption, it's thousands of dollars. But if you're talking people, just loving on people, there is still a price to pay. Here's verse 25. But he, Joseph, had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, Knowing how big of a party and the celebration it is when two people get married, I don't think anybody goes into their wedding night thinking, no union, I'm doing this for the Lord. That's, that's not the way you celebrate your wedding day with no physical union. And yet Joseph gave that up for a time until she gave birth to a child. This is what he gave up. Even though the Bible doesn't tell us, many have imagined that there was probably gossip going on around this pregnancy. Is it Joseph's boy? Is it not Joseph's boy? Is he just being charitable to this poor woman that that made a bad decision? Can you hear the talking? Have you experienced the talking? You know this is not just our culture that likes to share the gossip. You know it's theirs too. People were sharing stories. You try to keep it quiet. But people were talking. And I don't know what they told them. I mean, when you, when you sit down with somebody, do you just say, the, it's conceived by the Holy Spirit, virgin birth. Is, is that what you tell people? Do, do, do you tell them none of, their, none of your business? Go on your way, stop talking bad about us? I, I'm not sure what they said. I imagine they were just truth tellers and they just would have said, God did this and you can accept it or deny it, but God did this. I don't care what you think, you know, but we're speaking the truth. That's what I imagine a person would say in their circumstance. But you know people were talking. There's a cost. There's a cost. Adoption will cost you something. And not to just say it's all on Joseph. You remember the passage about Mary, right? The prophecy given to her, a sword will pierce your soul. You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. You are blessed above women. I mean, you're, You are an amazing woman, Mary. But the sword will pierce you because of this. Because this child that you're going to raise from infancy, with all of that motherly affection, you're going to see people spit on him, mock him, whip him. You're going to see him nailed to a cross in the most vicious, lowly, humiliating painful death possible. You're going to see that, mother of Jesus. A sword will pierce your soul. There's a price to pay. Adoption will cost you something. And so I say, relationships are risky, right? You welcome someone into your house, you love on somebody, there's there's going to be risk. They could take advantage of you. They could be a bottomless uh, pit of needs. And it could be draining on you. They could call you at all hours of the night. Your association with them might give you a bad reputation. Wouldn't that be funny? Ironic. I don't know what the word is for that. <laughs> you bring them to church, and people look at you and look at them and think, what are you thinking? This is not the kind of person we invite here. By the way, if anyone ever says that, uh, just please don't. I don't want to have to point out the, the wrongness of that statement if someone wasn't welcomed here. But if we do welcome people here that have a lot of issues, if this is a hospital for sinners, then there's going to be some bleeding here. Right? That's what happens in a hospital. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? That kind of goes back to A few weeks ago when I talked about loving, same-sex attracted Christians. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for people to accuse us of being this and that kind of church? Too liberal, too liberal. How can you be so welcoming, you know? Are are you ready? You should be because we took you in. (laughs) All right, all right. I hear on a semi-regular basis that there are individuals here that that still don't feel connected. They want to be connected, but they don't feel like they're in. I'm not saying that's the characteristic of this church, by the way. I think, in many ways, this church does relationships really well. In fact, I think it's a strength. Uh, But I think there are some people that can be overlooked. And they ought to feel adopted in this place. All of us ought to feel that that are part of this church. I ought to feel that. You ought to feel that. We all ought to feel like we're part of the family. So I'm not saying that this is a, a uh, bad mark on us or on you. I just think we ought to keep doing this better and better. We all have to grow in this. I have to grow in this. C- can you look for people that you don't see connecting and reach out and love them and connect with them? Or are you too busy with other people that you 've known for decades now, I love the decades long friends because they're the two a m friends you can call at any time you need those people don't ignore them, but do you have room for the guy laying bloodied beside the road? You know do you have room for that person in the Good Samaritan story okay so this week uh since I, because I believe in God's providence, I'm preaching on adoption. This message was set. And then I had a conversation with a couple people who said, how do we love on people who don't know Jesus, are living in darkness, and they act like it? <laughs> They're like, in crisis. In darkness. What do we do? What are practical things we do? So, this message is one of those like, do I have space in my heart to adopt people the way God has adopted me? Do I have space for that? But I also want to end with, like, a, here's what I would do. If God directs you, these are some things I would think about doing, okay? Just, just so there's no, like, well, I wish I could do something for someone, but I just don't know what it is. Here's some ideas. It's on the back of your notes. What do I do with the difficult adoption situations? Okay? Okay. Uh, a you set boundaries for your family. you set boundaries. Some people are the bottomless pit of needs, and they will take they, they will take everything out of you okay if you 're available twenty four seven that is if you 're called on twenty four seven there 'll be nothing left for you to be in a good place, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Um, boundaries are always hard. my family was investing in another family when we were in Watoma and it was a neighbor they were about our age maybe a little younger and they needed boundaries you're always welcome in my house but I can't have the mother coming into my house or coming over to hang out with me when Christy's not here there's a boundary that has to be there right? I, I can't hang out with this woman; just me and her. That's not happening. There's a boundary there, and, and vice versa with the man coming over. If Christie's around, that's not. There's a boundary, and so you say these things. Here's the boundary. Wisdom suggests this is not a. You're always welcome here, but here's some places where it's not a good not a good idea. That I said it as lovingly as possible, but that relationship never recovered. But that's okay. That's okay because boundaries are good. Boundaries are good. They protect you from getting into sin issues and problems that that hurt hurt badly and are not good for your family. So consider boundaries. Uh, B, don't go it alone. Ministry happens best with a partner. So if your family wants to invest in somebody else, maybe you grab another family here and you do this together, right? You do it together. Jesus sent them out two by two, right? Do ministry in my name, two by two. It's it's just a wise thing to do. Think about having a partner when you're investing in someone with deep needs. Uh, C, help during the crisis, but don't enable bad choices. Okay, This one might be a little obvious, but uh, you can get yourself in situations where you could be pouring money into a person's life, and they're going out and spending it on alcohol, cigarettes, drugs. You know, you've got to think smartly here. I want to enable bad behavior. At some point, if, if a family is in such a destructive cycle that the kids are at risk, real risk, if abuse is going on, you've got to take action there. You've know, you got you to do something. You can't just enable it and say, well, it's the love thing. I, 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 don't, I don't really know. Let's not enable bad behavior, but but, but do love well. Help during the crisis. Drive them to the doctor. Take care of them. Hang out with them. Uh, But be careful how you do it. Consider what your actions might encourage them to do. D, pray, 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 pray. Invite people to pray and pray some more. Uh, if if God doesn't reach down and touch them, they're not going to change. You're not the Savior. Jesus is. So you best be talking to Jesus as you try to help. He's the Savior. He sends the Spirit to help, to work on hearts. He does it better than you do it. So you better be praying. Pray for wisdom. You're going to need that. E, uh, you might consider how the Church Benevolence Fund might help. What, what, what can we do to help in a crisis? If something's breaking, can we add some dollars to help that in that area? That's why we have a fund like that. That's why we collect on the second Sunday of every month so we can help these crisis situations. Keep that in mind. Feel free to ask us about it. That's why it's there. F, invite into your community group. It might be appropriate for you. May, maybe not. But it might be appropriate depending on the per, where the person's at. To invite them into your small group, be a part. Uh, taste and see who God is. Gee, I love this one. Invite into social activities, social activities, game nights. L- let's get together and hang out. Lunches. L- let's do this. I invited this family into my uh, Chris and I invited a family into my our lives, and we would do these game nights, and the guy would, uh, the husband would come over, and I remember after a game night, he, he was laughing, having a great time, and he said, I have never had this much fun apart from alcohol, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome, you know, that, that, is, that is so great that you're here, that we're having fun, and that you realize, yes, Christians can have a good time. This is a good thing. So you don't need to overdo it, drinking, to have a good time. Um, so social activities—that's that, a good first step, by the way, because it doesn't obligate you for anything. You, you can be—you can be kind of checking out a family just by having them over and doing a game night. Doesn't mean you're going to do it again next week. See how God leads during that night, though. Uh, H, you could invite them into a discipling relationship. You know, this is the person that's ready. You know, that they're—they're that they're ready to check out the claims of Christ. They're ready to see about the faith. I've given you some good books and resources there that you might consider. But you might say, let's pick a time and a place. We're going to meet at, you know, Deja uh 1030. We're going to do this, and we're going to read this book together, and we're going to talk about what you're learning and, and see where God takes this. Consider that. Consider that. The list of resources I've given you here are very short. I could probably go much longer. but. You've heard me talk about Multiply by Francis Chan. That gives a great overview of the Bible and how to do a quiet time, how to pray. Good stuff. Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. You know, that, that book is popular with all sorts of people, you know, just because of the title alone. How do I live life on purpose? Excellent stuff. Uh, very, and I think an easy read as well. Uh, Discipleship Essentials uh, by Greg Ogden is a little more intense a little more intellectual. They're going to have you read some things that are a little bit challenging, but it's a good discipleship resource uh, for you. If you're talking to someone with marriage stuff, love and respect, many other uh, good marriage books out there. That's one that I love, though. You can talk to me about many other ideas. I just gave you a few. Um, so I say all that to say this. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God gave you and me the right to become children of God. Not born because someone wanted kids, not born because someone wanted to adopt, but born because God wanted you. He wanted you. He reached out to you and you accepted him. Now, will you reach out so other people might accept him as well. Worship team, would you come up? Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you for coming into this world as a baby. Thank you for coming in vulnerable. I, I'm, sure you, I'm sure there could have been a different way, right? Where you, Jesus, you would have come and you would have been like a, a man ready to preach and teach and do the thing, but, but you came in vulnerable, needing the help of Mary and Joseph, Thank you for showing us vulnerability and humility. Thank you for showing us a a man like Joseph who would be humble, step up, and and, and love well, even when he was heartbroken, to love well. I pray that we as a church are that way. I pray that you continue to break gossip in this place. Just, Just get rid of it. I pray that you continue to build relationships, that people that feel lonely would feel welcomed that people would know how loved they are. Would you lead some of us into relationships with difficult people that need you so that we could show them you? Would you help us love well and adopt well? In Jesus' name, amen.